Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And this is another episode in our series of collaborative episodes with one of our favorite people on the planet, Carrie Schertz, the Backyard Professor. We have joined together with Carrie to go through the Gospel Topics essays one by one. And we have this wonderful book called the LDS Gospel Topics Series, A Scholarly Engagement uh, by Matthew Harris and Newell Bringhurst, where various scholars go through the essays and kind of tell us what they think, give us their treatment of it. So we're using this book sort of as a lens to look at the different Gospel Topics essays through. And our goal, of course, is to do one episode for each of the Gospel Topics essays. So why don't you explain to us, Landon, what this particular episode is going to cover? Yeah, today we're gonna to be covering a Mother in Heaven essay, which, uh, and this is from the book. It was written a, kind of from a feminist perspective. Uh, it was written by Carolyn Klein and Rachel Hunt Steenblake. Um, and so they go over Mother in Heaven and whether or not uh, she exists or the Mormon theology behind why she exists. And so we dive deep into this, uh, considering all the statements that we can find on Mother in Heaven. We call it Mother in Heaven, Are You Really There? Uh, after the song. And so after uh, the primary we'll, song, we'll, we'll dig deep into that. And uh, it's a great uh, episode. Yeah, it's a very timely topic. Um, it is something I think on the minds of a lot of people wanting to know more about the theology behind Mother in Heaven. And as you said, is is she really there? So I hope you guys enjoy this. Welcome to the Backyard Professor Live videos. I am joined tonight by two of my very awesome fellow researchers, friends, partners, buddies, brother and sister, the Mormonish group, Landon Brophy and Rebecca Biblioteca. How are you guys doing tonight? Fabulous. Doing great, as always. Awesome. Did we all watch the SEC exposure on 60 Minutes tonight? We had to calm Rebecca down a bit. <laughs> we may have to do a video on that. We have to. I've been working on a lot of stuff to do with that behind the scenes with a lot of people involved, and I was heavily invested, and then I was extremely angry. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I'm trying to calm down for our topic tonight. Uh, going to channel some inner goddess here. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. Rebecca's got her horns on as the mother goddess. Where'd Landon go? He'll be right, He'll He'll be be right, right back. back. And I've got my hammer, so I'm going to imitate right. Thor. <clears throat> we are going to have a screaming dandy of a time, we hope, tonight, because this is a topic that absolutely affects the entire world. And it goes across cultures and it goes through every religion. And our suspicion is there's a different response in every cotton picking different religion, pro or con, positive or negative, maybe a mixture of all of it. But tonight, Rebecca, why don't you tell us what we're going to do tonight? I will tell you what we're going to do tonight. So as you know, this is our series where Landon and I from Mormonish meet with the amazing Backyard Professor and we go through the gospel topic essays. Well, because it's Mother's Day, we thought we'd jump way ahead to the end and cover the Mother in Heaven essay, which we have had quite an interesting couple weeks 
diving into this. It is extremely fascinating. So we have um, some slides set up, Len, and why don't we start with those and we'll just dive right in, unless Carrie has any other comments. Well, I'm just reading the comments. Someone's saying there's a hiss. Is there still a hiss going on? They're saying there's a weird noise. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, by the way. Yes, that's what we're here for is Happy Mother's Day. It looks like we've got a terrific crowd. Thank you all for coming on. Um, let me know. I don't think they're still not talking about a hiss, so it might have been just the uh, the introductory music. <laughs> it could be that you're a snake, Carrie. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we are actually, got the guy. I, I thought the bishop today on 60 Minutes looked a lot like a snake in his answers. There. He just sounded like one, didn't he? What a what a We don't consider it secret. We consider it confidential. What's the difference? Yeah. Uh, how you think about it? Perceive it? I mean, folks, you, you can't make this stuff up sincerely. And, and I'm going to try to be sensitive for the, the Mormons who will watch this in the future. Welcome to those who are going to listen to the audio version of this. You will want to watch the video portion of this because we both, both of us, Mormonish and the Backyard Professor, have some really good slides for this. Visuals are always effective. But seriously, folks, if you can't see the difference between what is open and, and what is being hidden, concealed, and word games playing. Now they're changing the definition of secret. It's not sacred now. There's nothing sacred in this bullshit <laughs> stuff that the church is doing illegally. Now it's confidential. And they don't want you to know. Now, if you didn't get that on the 60 Minute, you, you're not paying attention. You, um, you know, Book of Mormon Central, or is it Pearl Great Price Central? One of those. Yeah, yeah it was Book of Mormon Central. Are yeah. defending the church like crazy. I mean, if you can change the definition of translation, of translation and translate to invent, and if you can change the the word of of uh, you know God to to devil or what, if you can play games with the words like this, you can literally say anything you want, and. The question is, are you believable? Should people believe you? And so so that's my just quick, I don't want to get off on a tangent. <laughs> Rebecca got angry. I got angry. Landon I was angry. All night. But anyway, boy, I'll tell you what. We have a wonderful, wonderful topic on this heavenly mother. Now, we we do want to be respectful, but we also are going to have some fun. And we are also, I, I actually haven't, I've kind of hinted to Rebecca and Landon, but we're going to do a deep dive tonight. I, I have enough material on this. I could literally go till six o'clock tomorrow morning, absolutely nonstop. And I bluff you not. There will be more videos we can produce. We'll try hard to keep it within the regular five hour schedule, but uh, we can't promise anything. So. I'm not going to keep you here for five hours. Calm down. I can see Landon starting to film. We love you, Carrie, but maybe not six hours worth. Yeah, so. My bladder's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can take breaks. I mean, you know. oh, okay. Well, then go for it. Yeah, sure. 
I love your horns, by the way, Rebecca. Yeah, That's this is my mother goddess. Uh, we went to a Beltane festival a couple of weeks ago, and these were my lovely mother goddess horns. That is incredible. So. Yeah, it's fun. We, we need to point out mother goddess Rebecca will be presiding at tonight's meeting. We want to make sure that we... <laughs> yes. Whatever that word means, we're going to delve into that too. Please hand. <laughs> Landon, raise your hand. All in favor, raise your hand. All opposed, if you would, by the same sign, please go talk to your state president. That's right. And none, neither of you can stand up before me, all right? That's, I'm laying that law down right now. <laughs> Bednar style. We would never do it. What? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so let's get started. You guys, have, uh, you guys have some awesome information. We're going to let you uh, jump right in. I don't know which one of you want to start first, but guide me and lead me. I'll put up the slides as you uh, present some very, very good information that is basically we're going to pinch and prod the propaganda tonight. So, yeah, well, let's let's pull it up then. And, uh, you know, our. Our cover slide is uh, Mother in Heaven, are you really there? And I think that's the big question that comes out of this survey. So we wanted to start out by talking about the survey for or the essay uh, first and talk about where it came from, how it came to be. Uh, and, and we're actually going to read it because um, it, uh, it is one of the shortest ones. And I think if you want to go to the next slide, we actually uh, wanted to uh, go over you want to move that to the and, next and i know some people in the chat mentioned this song exactly like that and it is stuck in my head too i've been yes. studying you know this for a couple of weeks and i am humming that everywhere it's driving me crazy so yeah and of course we couldn't come on carrie's show without throwing one of our trexmo memes right. on it so landon why don't you read that this is one of my favorite ones yeah this this one we uh came up with uh because we've all seen this happen at church you knew what would happen if you brought up mother in heaven again in gospel doctrine class and of course they're <laughs> hauling him out uh, because hauling him out <laughs> we do not talk of mother in heaven in gospel uh doctrine class however uh they made a church essay on it <laughs> so it seems right. to be something that we've always known according to the church it's something that's vitally important and yet it's something that we seem to know nothing about at the same time one thing i learned from this uh study of this topic is that mother in heaven is one big hot mess uh yeah <laughs> you can go just about anywhere here and it's a contradiction it seems so yeah. We wanted to get started by, uh, let, let's go ahead uh, to the next slide and we'll uh, point out some of the things that uh, the essay specifically uh, brought up. So all first right. of all, the, the essay first came out in the fall. Well, of should we read the essay first, Landon? Sorry to interrupt you. Do we want to read it or do yeah, we want to go Yeah, I was going to say it's only six paragraphs long. It's the shortest of all the essays. I think we should so read it. I'm we're going to go ahead reader. and read it. Yep. Uh, okay, I'll read the first half Rebecca's and then you read the presiding. second half. And then I'm present. <laughs> yep, which is why I was able to interrupt you. That's right. These horns have given me incredible power. So, no, I just think it's good for everyone to start on the same page and we can just read it very quickly. And if any of you want to pull it up, and I'm sure you all have the Gospel Topics app on your phones, go ahead and pull that up and you can read along with us. So the essay is called Mother in Heaven. It's, I believe, the third to last. Isn't that, Landon? It's very much toward the end. Yeah. So, later ones. Yeah. yeah. So it says, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Saturday Saints teaches that all human beings, uh, male and female, are beloved spirit children of heavenly parents, 
a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. This understanding is rooted in scriptural and prophetic teachings about the nature of God, our relationship to deity, and the godly potential of men and women. The doctrine of a heavenly mother is a cherished and distinctive belief among Latter-day Saints. While there is no record of a formal revelation to Joseph Smith on this doctrine, some early Latter-day Saint women recalled that he personally taught them about a mother in heaven. The earliest published reference to the doctrine appears shortly after Joseph Smith's death in 1844 in documents written by his close associates. The most notable expression of the idea is found in a poem by Eliza R. Snow entitled, My Father in Heaven, and now known as the hymn, you guessed it, Oh My Father. This text declares, in the heavens are parents single, no, the thought makes reason stare, truth is reason, truth eternal, tells me I've a mother there. That's Eliza R. Snow. Subsequent church leaders have affirmed the existence of a mother in heaven. In 1909, the first presidency taught that all men and women are in the similitude of the universal father and mother and are literally the sons and daughters of deity. Susa Young Gates, a prominent leader in the church, wrote in 1920 that Joseph Smith's visions and teachings revealed the truth that the divine mother is side by side with the divine father and in the family of proclamation to the world, issued in 1995, the first presidency and quorum of the 12 apostles declared each person is a beloved spirit, son or daughter of heavenly parents. And as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. Take it away, Landon. Prophets have taught that our heavenly parents work together for the salvation of the human family. We are part of a divine plan designed by heavenly parents who love us, taught Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. President Harold B. Lee stated, we forget that we have a Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother who are even more concerned probably than our earthly father and mother and that influences from beyond are constantly working to try to help us when we do all we can. Latter-day Saints direct their worship to Heavenly Father in the name of Christ and do not pray to Heavenly Mother. In this, they follow the pattern set by Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to always pray unto the Father in my name. Latter-day Saints are taught to pray to Heavenly Father, but as Gordon, President Gordon B. Hinckley said, the fact that we do not pray to our mother in heaven in no way belittles or denigrates her. Indeed, as Elder Rudger Clausen wrote, we honor woman when we acknowledge Godhood in her eternal prototype. As with many other truths in the gospel, our present knowledge about a mother in heaven is limited. Nevertheless, we have been given sufficient knowledge to appreciate the sacredness of this doctrine and to comprehend the divine pattern established for us as children of heavenly parents. Latter-day Saints believe that this pattern is reflected in Paul's statement that neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Men and women cannot be exalted with each other, without, without each other. Just as we have a father in heaven, we have a mother in heaven. As Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to be like them. So that's the essay. And there's... You mean seriously, that's the essay? That's, that's the essay. Short. It's the shortest of the essays. It's only six paragraphs long. They're going to cover the entirety of what we know about mother in heaven uh, <laughs> in that uh, yet she's considered you know equal to god which would indicate she's part of the godhead if she's equal to god 
uh, and yet we know nothing about her. So it brings up a lot of issues. Uh, when you when you read through it, it sounds nice. It sounds clean. Oh, we've got a mom. I've got a dad here. Of course, I'd have a mom and a dad there. But when you tie it into doctrinal issues, it, it becomes quite complicated. <laughs> it does. And I wonder if you should go through the bullet points really quick after Carrie says. May, may I just interject? That is, that is the first uh, problem with the church is all they care about is doctrine. That's it. And so um, their overemphasis on doctrine to me, uh, you, you, you just don't get the point. You, you, it, who cares? Who gives a damn about doctrine? It constantly changes, man, through continuing revelation. So is this, and I'm going to just throw this out to mull over. I'm not trying to be conspiratorial, but is this the way that they can control the narrative so that we don't start bringing in Heavenly Mom? Or is this really just their myopic intelligence or lack thereof, I'll let you decide, of focusing just on doctrine. Well, what is the big dang deal about doctrine? Why is it always doctrine? Oh, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. <laughs> I have to believe, correct doctrine. Belief does not get you to heaven any more than it puts you in hell. Belief is irrelevant. Don't, don't they read the New Testament at all? I, doctrine, who... Well, anyway, that's my diatribes. So <laughs> the doctrine my, rant. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode without one. We love it. <laughs> well, you, you brought up a lot of good points. And I see in the chat, a lot of the people are already starting to say, what about this? What about that? Yep, yep. And that's yep. the very problem. And why I said she's such a hot mess, because it you read one thing and you get an explanation, and then you go, but what does that do here? And so we'll, we're going to go through those. Um, it's, it's important to note that prior to the essay coming out, um, mother, mother, she's kind of had a, 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 a run that's been hit and miss. Uh, we, we didn't hear much about her, as it said in the essay. Joseph Smith didn't really talk about her. Most of the doctrine that we got came from the, the women in the church, not from any revelation through, through any men. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it seemed to it seems to come. She seems to show up when the church needs a feminine example of womanhood, and then she seems to fit that role. And then she may disappear again and reappear when they need that again. And that's exactly what happened in the 1990s and the 2000s. Uh, Margaret Toscano and Janice Allred were writing quite a bit about Mother in Heaven, and they got excommunicated for it. It was a taboo subject. So it wasn't until 2015 when the church put out this essay that it kind of officially removed the, the uh, there you go. Oh, this, yep. this is the edited text, uh, Women and Authority by my dear friend Maxie, uh, Maxine Hanks. She also was one of the September 6th and got excommunicated yep. for this too. So she has since rejoined the church. I hope she's doing well. So. But yeah. Yes, she is. I just talked to her two days ago and she's awesome. Oh, nice. Good. <laughs> good, good. So it, it, it's been a hit and miss. And the one thing about it, the, the essay being very vague and keeping mother in heaven very vague 
is that they can then mold her to whatever need they have at that particular time uh, in in history. Whatever the church needs the woman to be, they can then point to Mother in Heaven and say that that's what she is. So uh, I think there's some intent in keeping it rather vague, uh, but we'll go through all of that. So if, if you want to go to the next uh, next slide there. So we want, we figured we'd start out going, what does the church tell us that we know? And then we're going to go through that. And then we're going to go to what did they leave out uh, that we maybe should know? Um, and I think those are some good questions. So one thing that was pointed out, and I'm going to, I'm going to have Rebecca talk about this one, um, is that Heavenly Mother, they always capitalize Heavenly Mother. And when they do that, that indicates that she is a singular deified woman. So they're indicating that mother in heaven, there is not many, there is only one. Um, Rebecca, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's interesting to look at that. I don't know if any of you have ever looked at the style guide um, of usage uh, from the church, but there's a lot you can learn from that, especially with what they capitalize and what they don't capitalize. So for example, they don't capitalize in many cases, heavenly parents, meaning that it's not a specific <laughs> set of parents, if that makes sense. Sometimes they will say heavenly mother without a capital, meaning could they be talking about more than one mother? It's very interesting the way that they use it. Do we have a slide on the style guide, Landon? I can't we, we remember. Didn't, we, no, we, we didn't. We didn't make one. Here. Yeah. Um, but th what are some of the other ones, Landon, that we were talking about? Um, Heavenly Father is always Heavenly Father capitalized. Is always capitalized. And In sometimes Heavenly Jesus. Parents is. Yeah. So I would recommend looking through that. It really is very telling. And in the essay, it seems like they use it interchangeably. Sometimes they say Heavenly Mother. Sometimes it's small. You compare it to the proclamation of the family. Sometimes it's capitalized. Sometimes it's not. But the way it's used in the essay, and of course, the book that we're using, hold up your book, Landon, that we're referring yeah. to, if you yeah. have it. We've yeah. only got one book between us right now today. Right. <laughs> yeah, they they used the example of capitalization to point out that the essay is trying to assure us there is only one heavenly mother. That is one thing that they're trying to tell us in the essay. She is a singular deified woman, just one. And I think most of us think it may be different than that. <laughs> but amazingly, using capitalization to try to um, let us realize yeah, there's only one, one person. One and, proper name, Heavenly Mother. And one thing that we saw changing throughout is Heavenly Parents in the style guide is always lowercase, according mm -hmm. to the church style guide, uh, which means that you're you're just it's more of an adjective, basically describing mm -hmm. the Heavenly Parents. If it's capitalized, you're actually describing that relationship or those deities. Um, and in in many places we'd find it lowercase but more often now we're seeing it capitalized and in fact in the essay itself when they when they said uh when president ballard spoke talked about it heavenly parents was capitalized but everywhere else heavenly parents was was not and we found that back and forth and but we couldn't find heavenly parents being capitalized in the style guide so that made us think is there a movement to now make heavenly parents the divine being as opposed to uh, Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father, but the two of them are the divine entity. And that becomes well, and, a little later. And I was going to say that sort of, I believe, is sort of the agenda. Make sure that everyone understands it's heavenly parents, a man and a woman. So you can do a lot with capital letters. Yep. <laughs> Subtly. It, it's amazing what the, punctuation matters. <laughs> punctuation matters. That's it.
You you want to go to the next next one, Carrie? Oh, not the oh 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 yes, I forgot yeah. to yes. We have the Trexmo in between here. You're no, right. That looks like a no. Nut. This is a Mormonish meme. We make memes all the time. That's all we do, day and night. We. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Mormonish meme, and this is um a you know celestial being, a male in the middle, and everyone else is a female. So we think that might be what date light in the date night in the celestial kingdom looks like. <laughs> but according to the according to the uh, essay. There's no. only one mother. There's only one. That's <laughs> but right. That causes a lot of there problems. There can only be one. Only there one. There can only be one. Which which makes me wonder where did this picture even come from? I just found it online, and those all are women. So obviously, someone has a different idea out there and put it on paper. Okay, you want to go to the next one? So the next one is uh, it defines a monogamous monogamously married deified couple uh, so the essay when it talks it always makes it sound like it's a singular woman married to a singular man and that together they are a deified couple and so that seems a lot different than what many of us may have learned uh growing up in the church that you know we know that president nelson currently is sealed to two wives what happens to the other wife that you're sealed to if uh godhood is a monogamously married deified couple well you can't ask that question landon or they will laugh at you in general conference so don't dare <laughs> even bring that up because that's a laughable question yeah that's ahead, a Marie, i cut you off <laughs> That's absolutely uh, present. It was President Oaks, right? That got up there and yep. a woman asked, uh, you know, what yep. would happen to her? She was the second sealed wife. And he kind of, <laughs> why do people ask such silly questions? That'll all be worked out in the hereafter. Well, that's kind of important if you're the second wife to know what your status is going to be. Or the 40th be. wife, even more important. You got to figure you know, this stuff out. The patriarchy doesn't have to give a fly and flip about what the women right. think anyway, right? I mean, you know. It, it's absolutely, it, it turns everything, when you start thinking about her as a monogamously married person, uh, it, 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 it takes the whole polygamy issue with the church and turns it on its head. How, why would God have commanded that if the ideal situation for Godhood is, is this setup that he's got? Uh, and so... Again, it, it, it doesn't logically make sense, but the church would have a huge problem trying to define to women uh, that, you know, their role is one of, you know, 50, millions. 60, 1,000, millions. Millions. Like showed. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the Orson essay. Pratt, Orson Pratt like Orson did Pratt. say there are hundreds of millions of yep. gods out there, and he wasn't talking just men. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's defending polygamy in the process. And, he exactly. was and in the essay, it talks about a divine pattern that we're all familiar with it and this adheres to it. So is this the pattern? I mean, is it if that's true, like you said, Landon, what about centuries of polygamy? What happened to that pattern? It's well, don't look into history. Don't read oh, our history. Right. Follow the <laughs> living prophet, Rebecca Deer. My mistake. Well, history actually becomes important because as we read in the essay, uh, you know, the, when did the first presidency start teaching uh, this in, in the modern era? We know that Joseph Smith yeah. may have mentioned it to uh, 
to some of his wives, uh, particularly Eliza R. Snow, because she wrote the song. But there's really not mention of it again until 1909. If you remember, that's just after the second manifesto is written and there's a need to go back to monogamy. What better way to teach monogamy than to say that you have a mother in heaven that is in a part of a monogamous relationship and move the church from polygamy to monogamy. So once again, we see mother in heaven being put in to meet the church's needs uh, at a time when they need a woman to be something that uh, that the women in the church currently aren't. They were polygamous, and they also uh, at this time was the women's suffrage movement. And mm -hmm. so the, that was a big movement uh, that was fostered by uh, uh, Susa Gates or Young Gates. Susa Young Gates. Uh, yeah, Susa Young Gates. Susa Gates Young. <laughs> Gates Young, yes. She's, she's yeah. Brigham Young's daughter. Yes, and she was yeah. a she was a feminist and she was one of the top women in the church at the time. And uh, she, they were trying to promote uh, this woman's suffrage and women's rights. And so they brought into the conversation a mother in heaven. Uh, she didn't appear before that, but now she's needed and they bring her into the doctrine. They use her and then she seems to disappear again after after a little bit. So. Well, and the problem with bringing her in is they bring her in for a specific purpose like that, and she has to have certain attributes. She's the proclamation of the family goddess. She's a very, you know, very domesticated um, heavenly mother. And then I think once you unleash that idea, women get really excited and they think, oh, you know, here's somebody who's empowered. Here's a female. Could she be even more empowered? They start taking her to more of an extreme that the church is not comfortable with, you know, and, and they start writing about her. They start imagining what she could be. They start imagining what their life can be, you know, if they emulate this goddess. And then she becomes too powerful and they have to, like, kind of take her out of favor again, excommunicate the people that are writing about her. It's kind of cyclical. They bring her out when they need her, but they don't like where people take her once they've brought her out. To get too powerful, Thor will come. <gasps> That's right. When she He's gets power, hammer. Bring the hammer. <laughs> that's and a that, hammer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that that seems to be the pattern that we saw because you know they brought her up early in the early in the 20th century. And then uh I just saw in the Salt Lake Tribune today that in the religion section they had a poem written by a, a, a guy wrote a poem that was a compliment to Eliza R. Snow's poem, uh, Oh My Father. And it was a nice poem and it got published in a church publication. And then when I think it was Albert Smith heard about it, uh, who was an apostle, he squashed it right away and said, we do not uh, talk to a mother in heaven. We don't write things to mother in heaven. So they, they'd squashed it by that time. Um, and then she reappears 2015. What happens? We, we have this proclamation to the family that came out. They're trying to build this, this, uh, family with a monogamous wife and a, and a monogamous husband that make a family unit. And they're, they need a domesticated, uh, nurturing mother figure to, to, to do that. And so they bring out, they roll out mother in heaven again in 2015 and say, here she is. Uh, and they can do that because there's no doctrine on it. There's no, they can make her be whatever they, they need her to be to fit the role. And so, and, and I will say women are flexible that way. They can <laughs> fill a lot of roles when they need to, but, uh, uh, that's probably not the way that they, it was intended to be, <laughs> no. to be done. So, 
It, no, but I think we're in that cycle right now, the end part of it, where she's now reintroduced. There's an essay, but millions of women are thinking, what is this divine feminine? And especially for their daughters, there are children's books now being written. What do we know about mother in heaven? You desperately want, you know, a female, uh, like you said, a prototype, something that you can kind of know where your life is supposed to go. I mean, if you believe this, of course, in the church, where are you supposed to go? Who are you supposed to be? What are my powers? So, but then you get in trouble because now they're like, oh no, no, you know, we can't take it that far. Vacuuming mother in heaven, okay. The rest, not so much. Yeah. Well, Warrior goddess oh, mother in heaven, not so much. <laughs> not so much. There's a lot of stardust for heavenly mother to vacuum. So let's yeah, not. Yeah, well, you're right. You're it. right. Well, you know, you're absolutely I mean, right. Heavenly dust buster. Probably dustier than my house here on earth. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, let's go to the next. Uh, I think we have another Trexmo. Uh, more uh, Trexmo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I made these one day. I swear, baby, those other five million goddesses don't mean anything to me. It's all you, you know. And of course, that speaks to the fear that a lot of women have the shadow of polygamy. Uh, now, that's Dallin Oaks, right? And these are from Star Trek. If anyone's watched, this is uh, Who Mourns for Adonis. Again, showing how geeky I am. <laughs> oh, man. That's but, hilarious. We, we bring these up because they're so true. I mean, they're, you, they they are. Are. women nowadays are not looking for a polygamous relationship. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear that they're going to be one of millions. And so the church is starting to, to show that she's a monogamist uh that's yeah. just the two of you no, don't worry ladies everything's under control god has it uh and and they're trying to reassure you that so well let's go to the next one so the next thing that they that they teach is that she's equal in worth and glory and they bring this up but boy that's really hard to swallow um we don't know her name. We don't know where she came from. We don't really know anything about her. We're not allowed to pray to her. We can't talk to her. We don't learn about her. We don't worship her. And yet she's equal in worth and glory. Uh, that seems hard to chew, <laughs> I guess, uh, when, when you make that comment. Uh, and certainly, as we just showed in the, in, in the, uh, uh, Trexmo meme there uh, that equal in worth and glory when if if there's more than one mother in heaven she certainly can't be equal in glory to the father uh, if there's 30 or 40 mother in heavens compared to the father in heaven that just doesn't make sense so it, it gets you it gets you questioning things like so does is there only one mother in heaven for this earth like this earth is right. all one mother in heaven's children or I have heard that as a theory. I yeah. have heard that as a theory. But that still means if there's only one God, the Father, it's still the specter of polygamy right there. Yeah, so, still, still But again, we know nothing. We know nothing. It's all completely made. You can make it whatever you need it to be, I guess. Yeah, so this this is hard to, hard to swallow when they say equal in, in worth and glory. It, it just seems hard. And Rebecca, you brought up the fact uh, that that, uh, you know, no mother could possibly, uh, you know, put herself in a situation like this where she couldn't at least talk to her children uh, or hear from her children. It, it seems hard to, to hard to see a mother who's equal, who has an equal say, who says, 
Uh, no, I don't need my. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> not so much. I don't need to hear from my kids. I'll take a spa day. Exactly. Know? It seems very unnatural to me. That's exactly right. I think we have a meme about that. Is that the next one, Linda? Yeah, I think I think that Which might is... be the next meme. Uh... <laughs> Too many memes. Okay, this is one of them. So, okay, so you're God. We've heard tons about you, but who's this chick, right? We don't know. We're not told anything. We would not recognize Heavenly Mother if we ran into her because we know nothing. <laughs> And and it's hard to it's hard for a woman to pattern herself after this mother in heaven that we exactly. don't know anything about. We don't know her characteristics. We don't know uh, who she is. So no, I can see right now that can't possibly be a valid model for the lovely young uh, Mormon youth because she's showing mm -hmm. porn children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is that. So is he. So oh, is he. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, anything goes in the celestial kingdom that's right there there's no judgment in the celestial kingdom no. or is there i i don't know Ooh, i don't know <laughs> we don't know all right let's go on the next one uh heavenly th this is uh an, an important one and this is where rebecca i'll let you talk a little bit on this one about the mother and her role uh because you know they led they, they made you believe that heavenly mother played a role in designing the plan of salvation She's a key player, evidently, in the plan of salvation, yet we don't really know what she does as part of the plan of salvation, other than bear spirit children. That seems to be her main purpose uh, in it. Right, and, and the way they describe it, they do talk in different places in the essay that she was an equal partner to Heavenly Father or God in creating the world, in creating the plan of salvation, all of that. So she was empowered at one point. And then if they're equal, nobody can tell her to do this. She, of her own volition, receded completely, receded from her spirit children, her children on earth. She receded to the point where she's invisible and we know nothing. So we don't know the mo motivation for that. If indeed she didn't do that of her own volition, then she's not an equal partner because someone is presiding over her and telling her that this is how it's going to be. So again, just conjecture, but very confusing, especially for women that are looking for some kind of empowering role or even just a path for your life. You know, who am I supposed to be? What is it going to be like? Who am I supposed to emulate? We have nothing like that. We have a heavenly father. And that just doesn't cut it for a lot of women, especially today. Well, and, and then the other thing that strikes me, I, it's just so blatantly obvious. I, I, if, if heavenly mother doesn't talk to us, and she obviously doesn't, if we can't pray to her, if we don't really know much about her, then how do they know she actually played any kind of role in designing the plan of salvation. Exactly. That, that, that's the key, because because that goes right to uh, uh, the, the essay. It says, this understanding is rooted in scriptural and prophetic teachings about the nature of God, our relationship to deity, and the godly potential of men and women. That's where the, the understanding of Mother in Heaven came from. And yet they go on to the very next time and they say there's no formal revelation on the doctrine. So how's it scripturally based that they, they say it's rooted in there? And I think, Carrie, you're going to talk about that later where we get maybe to the Old Testament and some of that where there's a, a uh, rooting of ancient goddesses that may be tied in. But really, uh, I could not find a single scripture anywhere in the scriptures that specifically said there was a mother in heaven. Uh, 
anything at best is an illusion that women would be in heaven and and that they're therefore you could make you know some sort of jump that that would be a mother in heaven but scripturally i could find nothing there that that said anything like that so um she played a role in designing the plan of salvation they say that she uh continues to monitor and and watch and bless the ki- the children but she's doing so completely secretly and as a father, this just blows my mind because everyone who has a daughter knows that the daughter and the mother talk constantly. They're always on the phone with each other, always getting advice from each other. They never call dad. They always call mom. So why is this setup so different? Why are women forced to call father in order to get advice on things that a father has never experienced. That because, does. because just like the television show said, father knows best. <laughs> if anyone gets that reference, it. I don't know. Well, and again, it speaks to that divine pattern. And they kept saying over and over, and we found so many quotes, we know sufficient about the divine pattern. You have to trust us. This is the divine pattern the divine pattern of how a family works, how a married couple works. This is nothing like any, you know, relationship that we've seen here on earth. Children talk to parents, mother and father, mother and father talk to each other. This divine pattern has nothing to do with reality or anything that we could try to learn from or base our lives on at all. Yet they say this is sufficient. And they even, there was one quote, remember Landon, that said, um, we've actually gotten this information from God, the father himself. Am I right? Or president Hinkley well, as to like how to that. pray that you should only as, pray to the father, that yeah, that's, that's the right. example that the Lord that's himself set and part of the pattern. You pray yeah. to mother in heaven. Yeah. Yep. So they're very this, sure. This, that it's a lot of questions. This is the divine pattern. Um, it, there's no chance Joseph Smith could have started polygamy. There's no way he would have concocted that cock and bull story about the angel with the sword threatening his life because he in his moral righteousness was withholding from practicing this famous thing. Oh, Lord, spare me. And the angel comes down and said, don't make me whack you up, cowboy. And so... A divine path. It's real curious. The whole Brigham Young thing, obviously, he didn't do the divine pattern. The whole John Taylor thing, he didn't do the divine pattern. The Wilford Woodruff thing, he didn't do the divine pattern, but he at least put a stop to it and then light his sorry ass off with all the other church leaders. For decades, they kept sending people down to Mexico to continue living polygamy, etc., etc., etc. Ad nauseum. Come on. There's no consistency here at the foundation upward for the first 60 or 70 years. And they claimed that that was the divine pattern. Brigham Young's lecture at the veil describes stuff like this. Doug Vincent's been telling me 
at least mention Brigham Young's lecture at the Vale for the Heavenly Mother and the polygamy and all that, and the Adam God and who Heavenly Mother was, was Eve one of his wives. It was in the endowment as a true revelation lecture accepted by the Lord God Jesus Christ Almighty. Apparently, he let, let it go in the temple for several decades. I Come on, can't we have a little consistency? This, to me, really reinforces Landon's point when he says they'll trot her out anytime it suits their purposes. And isn't that pathetic of the men who are allowed to rule over your lives when they get to do what they want to suit? their purposes and bring up the most idiotic concepts such as true doctrine, true doctrine. Sorry, I'm on a diatribe again. (laughs) No, it's very good. No, and I wanted to address something. Someone in the comments, I wanted to talk about this. It was Alyssa who said, and this is, you talk about trotting her out. I think her origins have to do with this too. Alyssa said she believed Joseph Smith sort of talked about Mother Goddess to seduce women. I actually think that makes a lot of sense because look how we know about um, Mother in Heaven because his wives told us. He was talking to them about it. And as we've seen recently, I don't want to bring up Daybell Vallow, but I will, um, telling a woman she can be a goddess. She is a goddess. She's from a long line of goddesses. She will be a goddess. That can be that can be a way that you can use to seduce somebody. So I actually think the whole concept may possibly have some kind of origins in that, just something that he made up to try to, you know, yeah, baby, you'll be a goddess. I mean, yeah. that might work on me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. It really isn't. But we have no idea even how she originated or yeah. anything about her. So it just speaks to that. So I thought that was great, Alyssa. Thank you for your comment. And, and if, if anything, this makes God very narcissistic. I mean, he... Uh, you know, there's a mother that's equal to him. That's right on his side and it's children. Don't, don't talk to your mother. Everything has to go through me. I'll relay it to your mother, anything back. A a daughter on earth is crying for, I need some motherly advice and, uh, mom, I'll take care of it. Uh, I mean, he he has to take care of everything while the mother takes care of nothing. It paints a a poor picture of a heavenly father there that he doesn't involve his wife in the lives of his own children. Well, and, children. and we all know too, if heavenly mother has a heavenly rolling pin, <laughs> uh, she's going to get her way. You know, I mean, let, let, let's be blunt. Sometimes when men get overbearing after a while, the women say, you know what? I've just about had it with you. You know, um, this this does not appear to me to present an actual partnership. This appears to me to be just words thrown out there by men trying to quell the women. It's a political maneuver. Would I be off in saying that, Rebecca? 
Nope, I think you're absolutely right that she's used when she's needed. And and it's almost, um, I don't know, I find it abusive in a way because women do yearn for perhaps a feminine influence. Someone also in the comments brought up uh, being able to pray to Mother Mary in other religions. And that's huge. Mormons don't realize that. But Mother Mary is a huge figure, a comforting figure that people pray to. And in the LDS church, Mother Mary is slapped down. Boy, if you even sing a Beatles song where they mention Mother Mary, this is how don't ever sing a Beatles song in sacrament meeting, just saying. Um, they will tell you, you can't mention Mother Mary. I mean, we are not even allowed to think about, you know, or even think about Eve in ways that might be. Anyway, it, it's just, it's very frustrating, I think. So I appreciate that comment about Mary, because I think there's just this yearning, perhaps, from women to have some kind of a, a feminine influence, a, a, a hope of a feminine divine, if, if, we believe, if we believe in this path. Yeah, very well said. Um, in my in my teenage years, during my seminary years, uh, Catholicism was mm -hmm. completely mocked on this Mother yeah. Mary venerating the Mother Mary, and we didn't venerate her. We stomped her down into the mud. Oh, well, she was a virgin and she gave birth to Jesus. Okay, now can we move on to the good stuff? And uh, so I think through time, this has been changing it's got to change because of one thing the archaeological and the historical reassessment of many many other cultures including modern ones so things are on the move maybe that's what else helped. things are on the move changes from the bottom up that's for sure and i think newton had a really good uh comment here you know he said it's horrible to reduce heavenly mother to a celestial uterus and that's that's almost the the condition that you find is her her role and it and it even says it in the proclamation of the world is to nurture and and to you know birth children and if that's family, her yeah. eternal purpose and and that's what i was always taught was that you know that you're literally children of a heavenly father and mother that how are they birthing these children i mean and for her to be giving birth one mother to billions and billions of spirits that would be all she would have time to do. And what's the gestation period <laughs> on right. a spirit? Uh, she would be in constant birthing mode. That's all she would be able to do. Maybe that's why we don't hear anything about her because yeah. she's in constant labor. I almost think she'd have to be like a queen bee and be laying yeah. eggs uh, so of spirits so that you could have as many spirits as you have. The whole, the whole concept just goes up and going, what is mother in heaven doing if all she's doing is, is spirit children the time that well, I mean, come on, she's playing a role in designing the plan of salvation, Landon. That was way before. And I will tell you that mothers today of young women are not putting up with this. When I used to teach primary, I had some of the fiercest little girls in my class. Some of these girls didn't even know they were not going to get the priesthood. I like had to break that news to them. And that told me that they're, yeah, I'm serious. Their parents we're not relegating them to the roles that my parents and parents of my generation were comfortable telling me that I would fill. I knew exactly what I would be, a wife and a mother, and I would not get the priesthood. And, and you know, that I would just grow up with that. These little girls were so just, I mean, I can't even describe. I actually miss teaching primary sometimes, but they were absolutely fierce and they were not put up with that. And that tells me that at home, at school, wherever else they were, they were never told that they were relegated to any ro role. There was never any limit put on what they can do. And so I think 
parents are trying to find something to tell their girls about if they're going to be in the church, this is what you're going to be. This is your potential. And I think this is why the mythology around Heavenly Mother is growing as a more empowered person. Because how are you going to tell your little girl, you're going to be a queen bee and you're going to vacuum a lot. It's not going to happen and they're not going to put up with it. So that's what I mean when I say things are changing from the bottom up because parents are not putting up with that today when it comes to their daughters. They're not going to do it. Well, we, it, 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 we, we have to see the effect. Um, it would actually... Well, it can't help it. It actually makes the female, it, it makes half of our humanity, man. I mean, that's why I loved Rianne Eisler's book, The Chalice and the Blade. You know, you can't leave out half of humanity and expect to enjoy, you, you just can't survive by eliminating half the humanities so. and more than half of the church look at the statistics yeah. <laughs> there are That's more females great. in the church than males there are more These there's many single reason. people there are many people not on the divine pattern which is completely fine so those people need to be recognized yeah and these women do not have to end up being it does end up being that they are treated as secondary Right. Uh, simply because the doctrine makes them that way. Does not this whole list right here on our screen immediately tell us, oh, well, she's secondary then? Because well, if we don't know anything about her and we're not even allowed to try to, that we're never going to have a priesthood meeting manual that talks about uh, 13 lesson, 13 different views and lessons of uh, who Heavenly Mother is or how to find out who she is or whatever. And here's the other thing that is just so fantastically amazing to me is we have a church full of how many millions of actual adults and they have to get permission almost as it were they will get in trouble so flip that over if you pray to heavenly mother if you worship heavenly mother you can get in trouble obviously you know so here's adults being treated like they can't do something so basic to the human necessity for spirituality growth and comfort that they are being dictated to how to interact with deity. Am I the only one that finds that really weird anymore these days? No, I, I think that the whole the whole reason that that last one was added in, this designing the, that they have a role in the design of the plan of salvation is they are trying to say, Oh no, you're not just having children. We're you've got other important roles, but then they never go on to define what that role mm -hmm. is or what it looks like. Very so, vague. That's yeah. right. It's vague. So I think they're trying to they're trying to placate women that there is a place there for them without seeking any revelation or any direction on what that role may be. Exactly. Uh, and we all know that when, there's many different women out there. Some love children and child rearing. Others have no desire to do that. They'd rather be involved in the design of the plan of salvation uh, and, and not be in the motherhood. But with, with this uh, concept here, it 
you know, mother has to fit one specific role and they try exactly. to make her look one way uh, all the time. So, yep. So let's, let's go to the next one, Carrie. Absolutely. I think we've got another uh, meme. Oh, we have so many memes. This was a great yeah, topic. Got- so. <laughs> <laughs> so this speaks to exactly what you said. So mother in heaven is talking and she says, so let me get this straight. I never get to talk to the kids again and you're going to do all the parenting. That's rich. <laughs> <laughs> that is completely opposite of the plan that we usually see <laughs> here on I Earth. Look, I love the look on his face. And he's like, well. <laughs> well, uh, I never thought that far ahead about that. No. And again, we should say men are wonderful parents. Men are very nurturing. So we're not trying to make that. We're trying to say, you know, oh. everyone should should do what they can do in the skill set they have and work together. And so we're in no way trying to say that men aren't wonderful parents because they are. Yeah, so let's, let's go to the next one, Carrie. Um, okay, we've got two on there. So we do not pray to our mother in heaven. This was one of the big things that has been brought up over and over and over again. Uh, it's, it's in the essay that we don't pray to our uh, heavenly mother. Uh, we've read in multiple places where uh, prophets have come out and said, we do not pray to our Heavenly Mother. The justification they always seem to give is Jesus set the pattern when he said, you know, that when they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, we pray to the Father, O Father, which art in heaven. And he never mentions a mother. Of course, he never mentions a mother in heaven anywhere, ever. So uh, it's kind of hard to say that he would think that he would talk that way. Uh, especially when he's praying to a Jewish God who they only believe that there's one God. They don't believe that there is, you know, at this point uh, in Judaism. So um, this is, I've seen this happen. I've been to some places where people actually start out a prayer and they pray to the to Heavenly Mother uh, as, as someone who... Not, not in Mo- a Mormon church. So. Not not in the church, but in groups that are kind of fringy. Meetings, nuanced. like adjunct Oh, yeah. LDS meetings. Yeah. 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 And, With members and, of the church. Yeah. We were just yeah. and on one online the other night when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, it's a unique concept to those of us that are, you know, that were LDS to all of a sudden hear someone say, oh, mother, you know, and they start praying to the mother. But when you sit back and think about it, it's like, why is this any different? And if we're going to say that she's, you know, co-deity with God, why wouldn't we talk to her? In all of our reading, I never found an excuse for why we don't. They mm-hmm. talk about that we don't, <laughs> but they never but said no why. After all, none of us gave dad any flowers today, did we? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We forgot to mention it's Mother's Day. Well, and I reject the entire uh, pattern that Jesus taught us of praying because, as you said, there was not, there was not a female God. Uh, and if you look at his life, who did he talk about and spend most of his time with? His father, Joseph, knew he and his mother were like this, right? So I feel, you know, given the option that he would definitely include a feminine divine that he talked to because that patterns his life. You just triggered a really important idea in my mind. Thank you, dear lady. Um, (laughs) Maybe, maybe, just maybe uh, it is the women, it is the prophetess in the temple who tells the pregnant ladies the kind of children they're going to have prophesying. 
and then they are called most blessed above all other women, etc., etc., and then they're written out of the story because we really don't have eyewitnesses in the New Testament. I've been studying with James Tabor lately, the biblical archaeologist and Dead Sea Scroll scholar, and I, I, I'm helping him promote his course on the Gospel of Mark. You can purchase that through me if you, you'd like. I'd like you to because I get a very, very small cut for a thank you, and it's very reasonably priced. But this whole idea of uh, the women... Maybe it's not in scripture. Maybe it's written that way because it was a patriarchy philosophy that was involved in putting the gospels together and the canon and all that jazz in the first place. And so that might be kind of a circular reasoning the church is using because after all, the scripture does, Joseph Smith's scripture does say that many of the plain and precious parts of the Bible were lost and taken out. But it really is amazing to me personally, now that the evidence is still piling in, and now pretty much all of the scholarship agrees that, oh, absolutely, we definitely have uh, the situation where God was married and he's got a wife, and we know quite a bit about her. But it's just so interesting how Joseph Smith didn't seem to quite get that part of the restoration perhaps this is part of the ongoing ongoing yeah. Yeah, we're going to show yep. that here in a few minutes yeah. uh, okay it's well, open-ended it's open-ended it's so yeah. convenient yeah. that phrase ongoing restoration isn't it <laughs> yes so, so convenient. The, the last thing here is they say that we have a sufficient knowledge to determine the yeah. divine pattern um they keep saying that, but it's sufficient knowledge of Mother in Heaven to, to yet we don't know her role or anything that she does. Mm -hmm. How is that sufficient knowledge? We know in the we know in the Book of Mormon that you know they specifically ask the question, "Knowest thou the condensation of uh, condescension of God?" What uh, we have to know it. It basically says you have to understand God so that you can become like Him, and we can't grow if we don't know that. Well, if we can't know, if we as men can't know. You know, can't grow without knowing the what God's like. How are women supposed to grow without knowing what the mother in heaven uh, is like or what they can aspire to? Uh, it, it doesn't make sense that you have to know the male portion, but you don't have to know the female portion of this combined deity that, uh, that they're talking about, this mother and father in heaven uh, that make up the heavenly parents. So uh, any any thoughts on that, Rebecca? Yeah, no, I agree. They keep using that divine pattern and they just sort of say, trust us, like in a lot of things. And I think that leads to a lot of fabrication because you don't have any reality to base it on. Like I said, there are lots of children's books now written about mother in heaven, everything with a very positive spin. It's going to be fine. I promise. You know, it's that yeah, kind of but thing. Are they putting what the men hope mother in heaven is like? Yeah, no, that's, that's what, that's the thing. There's, there's a lot of conjecture and speculation and especially from women writing about mother in heaven, you know, that, that it's going to be this positive experience, but there's nothing to back that up. You're just hoping there is nothing saying that. So the, the, the brethren seem to open be, book. The, the brethren seem to be, they seem to sit back and let the women mm -hmm. decide what mother in heaven's going to be until it gets to a point where they yeah. say, 
Okay, you overstepped. Now shut it down. That's, we're yep. shutting it down. You're not. Dial she's it. not that. Yep, that's but exactly right. But up until that point, they kind of let the women decide. That they don't reveal anything. They're not revealing anything about Mother in Heaven. They're letting the women decide what characteristics that they want or need her to have. And then they shut it down when it starts getting into their territory. Problematic. Yeah. And that tells me that they really probably don't even believe in that concept because they're not correcting them as they go along, like you would with any other, you know, thing in the church or doctrine or scripture. They're just letting people just spin tales, basically. And if you go to the Church History Museum, they have all kinds of artwork that depict mother in heaven. And it's very powerful, very feminine, very divine artwork. And that's right there in the Church History Museum. So I agree with you, Landon. They just let us talk because what harm can it do, right? And, and, <laughs> We're and, uh, just talking. Remind me again the uh, the the woman that was really getting into Mother in Heaven. She was over the uh, uh, at BYU. Uh, she was in charge of uh, the old farms oh. group. Uh, oh, is it Givens? Is yes. that what you're talking about? Yeah, yes, Fiona Fiona? Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. Yes. That's she another example. I think. She was very proactive and te teaching and 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 kind of promoting a mother in heaven. And all of a sudden she got pulled from her position. All she says it has nothing to do I with know. that. She would tell it differently, but yeah, it seems like a pattern perhaps. So, yep. Yeah. It's very interesting. There's the divine pattern. Don't go That's too far. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's got it. That is the divine pattern. Don't think too far ahead. Yeah, And, and wow. they're always willing to shut you down and say, no, she's not that, but they're never willing to tell they're you yes, she is. How can they know that though? If they don't know anything about her, that implies that they do know more about her. No, I think it's like meatloaf. I'll do anything, but I won't do that. Right. They don't know. They just, you know, it's not what you think. We don't know what it is, but it's certainly not that. So, okay, I think we've got one more meme, and then we're going to what uh, what was left out. Oh, that's right. Okay, this goes back to being one of many goddesses. Um, he says, "Okay, babe, your annual two minutes starts now. Make the most of it." <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be. Uh, and she's got plenty of time because none of the kids are praying to her or anything. That's so. right. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> well, she had to spend 288,000 Earth years to prepare this two-minute talk so she could make the exactly. most of it. That's it. That's exactly. It. Okay, so what does the church leave out? Um, well, the first thing is they, they never address the negative ramifications of not acknowledging a knowing Heavenly Mother. If uh, and we've talked about this. If you don't know your what Heavenly Mother is or what her role is, how do you prepare for that? How do you look forward to that? How do you even desire that? If a woman says, I don't want to be someone who just gives, you know, a, a, a celestial uterus as was used before, I don't want to do that. What motivation do they have to be on the covenant path if that's not what their desire is? And so, when you don't teach women what their potential is, other than that you're going to be attached to a, a heavenly being, what what does that do to the women? How do the women have a role model? How do they have anything to look forward to? Rebecca, do you? Yeah, it is very nebulous. Like we, I think we kind of touched on this before. You really don't have a direction. You kind of start fabricating what you hope it will be. You maybe meet with other women, talk about what it's likely to be. There are many uh, very intelligent scholarly women that have written a lot about yearning for the, the female divine and what they imagine it might be. Um, but again, 
speculation because we have absolutely nothing to go on. So, and it does make everything very nebulous. I think men have a pretty clear path into the eternities, I think. I remember being in a Sunday school class at BYU where a kid got up, returned missionary. He goes, now men, if we're not good and stay on, you know, stay true, they're going to give all our women to someone else in the celestial kingdom. I mean, this kid <laughs> firmly believed this and we all sat there going, good. You know, but the, his path was pretty dang clear. He just has to live a good life. He'll be in the next life. He'll get 144 virgins. It's all going to be good. But the rest of us, we don't know so much. So the women are viewed as property. That might as be a property. clue there, huh? Yeah, yeah it exactly. might be a clue. That, and that may be, that's a negative impact when you don't know. And very and negative. That, again, that Oaks talk was the perfect example. The mm -hmm. woman was literally concerned. Right. What is my role? What am I going to be as this second right. life to this man? Yeah. How will this turn out? And oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he well, laughed. And the audience laughed too. Everybody laughed yeah. at her. Yeah, everybody yeah. laughed. Well, you don't dare disagree with the brethren unless no. you're I guarantee was... many women had that question in the audience and also watching conference because even if you're not the second wife, this is the case where the woman was the second wife and wondered what the next life would look like. Even if you're the first wife, still, what does it look like? You know, will I be one of many? Everyone has that question and there's no answer. And for the men, it's easy to say, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, right. Oh, you're yes, one of one. You first got role, and you imagine you're second in command, and you tell me that would satisfy you. That's right. Yeah. So let, let's go to the next one. And this is the one that I, I really wanted to uh, hit on a little bit, because this is where we really kind of saw changes happening uh, in the in the doctrine and how they seem to be going with this uh, mother in heaven role. Um, and that is heavenly mother's status in the Godhead. We know that the Godhead is God, the father, his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy ghost. So where does, where does the mother fit in? And as we started reading, there were a lot of different ideas. Some say, well, she is the Holy Ghost. I think, Carrie, you, you're going to explain that one. Yeah, he's going to talk a lot about that for sure. Uh, yeah. But that the, the, the Holy Ghost is, is the mother figure. Um, but the one that we're really seeing is this concept. It was actually brought up. Uh, it was brought up quite, quite a while ago. Um, oh, here it is. Um, and this is the concept that God is a term that refers to God the Father and God the Mother together make together. up the term God. Um, and this uh, came from uh, Erastus Snow as an apostle uh, said, God is the combination of deified male and female. There can be no God except he is composed of the man and woman united. And there is not in all the eternities that exist, nor ever will be, a God in any other way. I have another description. There never was a God, and there never will be in all eternities, except they are made of these two component parts, a man and a woman, the male and the female. Now, this raises a bunch of questions, <laughs> because in the very essay, when it, they talk about God, they keep saying his children. They don't say God and their children. It also makes a God that kind of contradicts the family proclamation, you know, because God is made up of a divine feminine and masculine. Uh, but the church would 
have you say, well, no, God is heavenly father or there's a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. Um, we don't see them using the term God combined like that any, mm -hmm. anymore, like they did with the rest of snow, but they're using the term heavenly parents now. And that's why the capitalization matters, because if they're talking about heavenly parents, lowercase, they're talking about God, the father and and God, uh, the mother, you know, mother in heaven. They're talking about two separate entities that are heavenly parents. When you capitalize it and call them heavenly parents, you're now talking about a combined union of both of them that reach the state of deity and are part of the Godhead then. Because if God, the father is, you know, melded to, to God, the, the mother, God is, so then you can say, oh, the Godhead is God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And you can say God actually consists of two people. Two. And they, yeah. yeah, and they can point to the scripture that says, neither is the man without the woman and the woman without the man and the Lord, and say, oh, there you go. See, it's all one thing. So what we saw as we were doing a lot of study on this was we kept going, hey, they're capitalizing heavenly parents here. Do you see that? And then we no, it's lowercase here. No, it's and that's yeah. why we went to the style guide trying to figure out what was going on. But I believe what they're doing is they're they're evolving to the point where they're going to replace God with with the term heavenly parents. Heavenly parents, yeah. And you'll hear that term all the time to and make. Just it remember, the, they can they can shift the meaning mm -hmm. of Godhead just as surely as they can shift the meaning of secret no longer means sacred it's because it's what what do you say it's it's confidential confidential, confidential. Yes. confidential. Yes, no so. and words matter absolutely they put out a list uh, a while ago on social media about all the words that it subtly changes it's no longer mormonism it's the restored gospel of jesus christ well that says something right there you know so there's there's a lot of changes with wording it's very subtle but it doesn't have a subtle meaning. It's very important what they're changing things from and what they're changing them to if you pay attention. And this is one of them. Yeah. And, and that's what ongoing restoration, mm -hmm. that's where this term now starts to play to their benefit because they can now start changing that. And when, when you get to the point where the prophets and the apostles can't even tell you what God means, <laughs> Yeah. What what is the purpose? We can't define God into either a masculine or a feminine or both. We've got to keep it changing. That that's uh, <clears throat> that to me is disturbing uh, that yeah. that it, it tells you there is no revelation. It's it's changing to meet the needs of the brethren to keep the, the church in line and to keep people happy with the situation they're going to move into in the future. So very interesting. Okay, let's go to we're the done. next one. We yeah, I think we're almost done. We're finally, yeah. gonna let Carrie. I feel like the warm up. Better without me talking so much. You guys are doing this is so interesting how you guys have laid this. It's been out. really fascinating to see. Yeah, the, the last one that they bring up in the book is that uh is this have this doctrine of that uh that they left out was a doctrine for LBG or LGBTQ plus people. And that is if, if you're a gay woman, uh, 
or same-sex attraction, uh, man or woman, what is the what is the role there? Uh, we're told that gender is eternal. Well, I would think that your you know how you uh, feel towards other people, your attraction would also be eternal. That it's not going to change. It's not magically going to change when you get to heaven if that if you're still the same person. So what happens to uh, uh, a same-sex attraction man who follows all of the gospel do and doesn't doesn't become involved with any of it while he's on earth, and he follows all the church's rules, and he goes to the temple, and is he going to be assigned a heavenly mother that he's not attracted to? Um, what does <laughs> what does this mean for it's the a woman. huge gray area and it's very convoluted and i'm sure that they left it all out on purpose there you can't even really speculate but it is everything a giant in mormonism has ended up area that's yes, exactly yeah. right yep although i think that the mother in heaven essay and also the proclamation of the family of course are trying to double down on the stance which we all know what that is but when you look at other things it's not clear at all so that's kind of a wait and see for me i it's yeah. very great what they're trying to do they, and it'll probably get worse before it gets better which is very unfortunate yeah they've very clearly said it's a a, a male and a female makes up a, a god Oops, couple. are we frozen oh i think landon froze can you still hear me oh yeah i can hear you yeah <laughs> there you go yeah so that's a good one okay so but but it for for those who are who are in that uh, lgbtq community it raises a whole bunch of questions is yeah. why do I want to go there then if if yeah. I can't be who I am? Uh, and so the church doesn't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole, but it, it leaves out some very interesting questions. Uh, Extremely relevant that impact what, everybody. Absolutely. What a God couple or a heavenly parent could look like. Um, so. Yeah. Um, so I think, is that the end of our slides? Yeah, now, now we've got uh the science of cloning, you don't even have to have sex to reproduce. Yeah. So, you know, we say, well, that's an eternal pattern. But if we're using earlier knowledge and all, uh, because they want to maintain their power status as male white men who are filthy rich and in control of the church, of course, they're going to try to do everything they can to remain in power. But we don't know that that is an eternal pattern. We're basing it on the past, but the past does not equal the future. We now can literally, truly create anything as a clone. There are living creatures who reproduce asexually. So, I mean... What divine pattern? Oh, well, just for humans, we're all evolved life forms from this planet, and we're all interrelated the further back you go and all. So what do we really know, and I mean really know, about any kind of a divine pattern? Because the history of the church just certainly kills that idea immediately, because there's never been any consistent way of doing any of this stuff with marriage, the kinds of marriage, with children, with how to raise your children and all that, with love and all that. So, you know, they keep saying, well, this is the divine path. Um, that assumes, too, that the scriptures 
are inerrant, there is no one interpretation of marriage in the Bible any more than there is only one view of what is evil. The Bible is not monolithic and uniform in pretty much everything it says. That's like trying to harmonize the four gospel accounts in the New Testament. You can't be done, and you don't want to do it anyway, because each gospel writer has a specific point of view and ways to present that. So, I mean, you know, I can blather on and on and on, but I personally am just not convinced that they actually know that there really is a divine pattern that'll last forever. Well, the pattern of sexual reproduction hasn't lasted forever. We now know there's <coughs> that do reproduce asexually. Who's to say we're not going to evolve into that? We now can produce any kind of life through cloning without sex. Well, th that was actually one of our most interesting conversations we had is, you oh. know, what what does the procreative process look like in heaven? Uh, exactly. You know, where, where intelligences, we've always existed as intelligences. How does an intelligence become a spirit? Is it through right. birth, through a birth canal? Is it some other way? But we're taught in church, oh, when you, when you die, that procreative power goes with you, which indicates that you yeah. continued in the, to, to have sex after, you know, after death and that you continue to produce children that way. And you think about that. It just doesn't make sense. That is all that God and his wife or wives would be doing is consistently <laughs> procreating to create this many people. Even if the gestation was one minute, it would be like, well, then she'd have to be every minute producing a child. It just doesn't make sense. No. So it was a it was a very interesting conversation to say, what does this even look like? Uh, we talk about it like, oh, it just happens like it does on Earth, you know, nine months later. Mother God has a baby, but how do you get to billions and billions of spirits at, at that rate? And and how does an intelligence that always existed become a spirit uh, through a sexual act of a God? It turns into it. it the, but it, a God has to have a body first. And how does a physically embodied father and mother bear spirit children? I know Joseph Smith said it's a more refined matter. That doesn't really cut the mustard because we've divided matter down to where there is literally nothing there at the bottom. There is nothing there. There's no there there beyond the subatomic stuff. So, wow, there's a limit. Well, all right. Logically, if there's a limit to how far down you can go, there's got to be a limit to how, you know, who really understands the full pattern and be able to extrapolate that, that and that will last forever. You know, I just, I, I don't buy that. These guys can't know that. They can't. It sounds like a brilliant marketing plan. Hmm. How can we convince people to give us all their money and follow us? Yeah. Well, Let's tell them they get sex forever. You know? Somebody said that in the chat. Yeah, obviously made up by, no offense to the guys here. But then I think you add in, 
You add in something very interesting that Joseph Smith, of course, was involved in toward the end, and that's plural probations and hey, can I ask you guys a serious question? So that's recycling of spirits, and that is a fascinating idea too. My friend Gary J, my friend Gary J just said, "I just frogs carry." Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Frogs. You're asking the wrong people. We're close to boomer age ourselves, so we don't know. Uh, I can find a teenager maybe if I Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. If not, I apologize. But if it is a good thing, yeah, baby. Yeah. For Mark Christmas. So, yeah. He told you, didn't he? Uh, he did. Yeah. He absolutely. told too much. We can literally <laughs> speculate for hours on all of this kind of stuff. But luckily, with Carrie's portion, we don't have to because he's got antiquity on his side. And this is right. the really fascinating part that I am very excited to hear more about. I hope you guys have enjoyed our discussion so far about the Gospel Topics essay, Mother in Heaven. Now, this particular episode was sort of in two parts. And as I said, our collaborator, Carrie Schertz, the backyard professor, had quite a bit to say about the historicity of Mother in Heaven. So we have decided to end our part of the episode here, but Landon's going to give you a little preview of what Carrie covered and then tell you how you can access the whole rest of that episode with Carrie. That's right. Um, because it went on for uh, about an hour in this description, we wanted to, for our audience, we try to keep our episodes down less than two hours. And so uh, we just wanted to take a few minutes and go over what Carrie covered uh, and give a summary. And then uh, let you, if you'd like to get more in depth, uh, we'll put links in the show notes uh, to the full episode on the Backyard Professor, and you can go and watch that. Uh, but the main thing that Carrie hits here is the fact that the feminine deity Although not shown anywhere in scripture in the LDS canon, uh, there's no mention of a mother in heaven. However, he points out that there is one place where we can find mother in heaven, and that is in the facsimiles in the book of Abraham. And that's not because she's written about by Jesus or any of the apostles, but because, as we will find out as we come to the Book of Mormon essay, uh, that the Book of Mormon, uh, that the Book of, book of Abraham is really Egyptian papyrus from the Book of the Dead. And in Egyptian lore, as Carrie points out, the goddess is typically always shown, and we've got a facsimile here, uh, and the goddess is here on the left, the figure number two. She's always behind the pharaoh uh, in a position behind the throne. And what he points out is that the role of the mother god or the female goddess typically in Egyptian lore is that of uh, bringing back to life. So we have uh, examples of that happening with Osiris and, and her uh, bringing her husband back to life. And so it's kind of, he goes on to say that really the role of the mother God in the only place we have any kind of reference to a mother God in the canon is that of resurrection or bringing back to life. And so as we go through, as we've talked about the role of what the possible role of mother in heaven might be, he goes on to point out that the most likely role for a mother in heaven would be that of rebirth or resurrection. And that would be her role in the plan of salvation. So it's an interesting discussion and tune in if you'd like to hear the rest of it. 
Yeah, it was absolutely fascinating. And like Landon said, probably about an hour more about this of Carrie, which it's absolutely his wheelhouse. He is so knowledgeable, just going through using the actual facsimiles from the Book of Abraham to show this important role of uh, the mother goddess. Um in, in the Egyptian religion. So we would encourage everybody to take a look at that. As Landon said, we will put that in the show notes for all of you. And in the meantime, we'll sign off for now. We'd like to thank you all for watching. We'd like to encourage you to like and subscribe and hit that donation bell so that you can be notified when new episodes come out. And we'll say goodbye from Morvanish for now. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.